Sounding podcast. This is your post bye week edition. This is Brian, joined by John and Brad. As always, Brad, how are you? I am good, Brian. How are you? Great, wonderful. I'm John. feeling refreshed after a bye week. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> so am I, John. How are you? I'm good. People don't realize how much of a of a, a physical toll it is covering a football team. Some I might know. say it's harder than actually playing for the football team. Oh my I god! Know. Especially having to do two podcasts now, like doing yeah. a podcast after the game and then doing a podcast <laughs> the week of, we really yeah. needed that break. Like I'm we were, we were you, man, we were we were beyond our breaking point last week. That's why we didn't have a show. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, I know we're joking, but I didn't watch a single game this weekend. Like yeah. I completely tuned out of of the NFL. I took a legitimate bye week. No, it does. Uh, not that like it's actually difficult to do this, like on a day by day basis, but it, but it does get tiring having this like commitment hanging over you all the time. Yeah, um, like I I took a week off. Like I just I did the bare minimum. Like if you know there were a few things that happened that we had to to talk about and and write about, and we'll get into that, like the the COVID outbreak and et cetera. But I just I took I took the week off. Like I didn't watch any of the any of the games on Sunday. I didn't watch Monday, Thursday, nothing. I just I stayed away. Probably probably good. And then uh, I don't like this late bye week. I think if, I if the Panthers I, were pushing for the playoffs, maybe it'd be good because it would be more kind of like in the middle of the season if you account for the playoff weeks, but for a team that just is going to go through week 17 and be done in all likelihood, it's kind of like, man, this is a useless bye week with four games left. Yeah. I mean, what, honestly, what the NFL should do is all bye weeks should be like weeks nine and 10. And half the league should be on a bye in one week and the other half should be on a bye in the other week. And the NFL just, have eight games on the schedule or 16 games on the schedule or whatever, however many games, yeah, eight games um, on the schedule for those two weeks and just eat it. Like they already print money. They're not going to lose any money. (laughs) Um, And just, you know, two divisions in each conference has a buy in week eight. And then the others have a, a buy in week nine. It can be worked around. Everybody knows it's in the middle of the year. Uh, you know, the buy comes at the right time for these teams and just make it easier on everybody. Yeah. Like, well, they do, or even like spread out a little, even if you could spread out a little bit between like nine and nine and 10, like put yeah. it all in the middle. Like there shouldn't be a buy they, after week 10. Yeah. And they, they start in what week five. Yeah. There's, they start in week five or four. I, I was going to say, five. I think the, I think there, I think that week four is when buys. Well, start, actually. yeah, I think there are buys in week four, and they go all the way to week thirteen. Like, there is no need for that. Yeah, there. Yeah, I was going to say that. Well, the, the Steelers and, and uh, Titans had a bye week four, and I thought that was just a COVID thing, but there were bye weeks week four in a regular year too. So, you know, yeah. and, and each network, I mean, they've got four networks they have to appease. Well, five if you count their own network, but. <laughs> um, 
if there's eight games, you take two away because you'll have a Thursday night and a Monday night. So that's six games. CBS and Fox can each have three games. It, it's not like they're not going to have like, they're not going to have a, an unavailability of football to put on TV. Um, you know, just put, make it like the NFL likes to do and make it a big deal. Like the put prime time games on those weeks, like, um, like the saints and the chiefs or, you know, whatever, put those type of marquee games in those, you know, those two weeks. So fans will still tune in, but everybody gets the, the, their bye weeks in the middle of the year. Like it just, because like you said, a week 13 buy is pointless for a four and eight team. Like it's pointless. Yeah. Um, I, I, the one but thing I that was good it. about, well, yes. Well, what's funny about it is the NFL conveniently enough uh, has had, seems to be teams uh, tend to have COVID outbreaks when they're on their bye week. So it, luckily they never have to cancel games, but, teams always get a bunch of a rash of COVID problems on their body. I don't know if it's because I don't know the NFL. I don't know if it's some sort of funky, funny business behind the scenes or if it's just because players let their guard down. It's probably a combination of both. Um, but they, yeah. have nothing to, they have nothing to do on their bye weeks most of the time. Yeah. yeah like I'm saying. In, our, in our case, Matt rule said he thinks it's a combination of them coming back from Minnesota and then them meeting outside of the team facility. Yeah. during the buy, which they shouldn't have been doing, but they don't know what the actual, like the source of, of the, the COVID mini outbreak we've got going on right now. They don't know what the source is. Are they all, well, I guess they can't say if they're positive. I can definitively say it's to hear Whitehead's fault. Um, <laughs> it probably is. Um, but I do know they said that Curtis Samuel is a close contact thing. Like he, mm-hmm. He's not, he didn't test positive, but he was near around someone who did. So there's a possibility that he'll be activated for the game. Um, and it's also a possibility of his fucking fault. It is a possibility <laughs> is his fault too. It's that's exactly right. I mean, that's right on brand with Curtis Samuel. I, I know, I know it's, it's, you know, everything is Curtis Samuel's fault and including this, like we probably wouldn't even have COVID if it weren't for Curtis Samuel, but, um, you know, I, I I don't know, and I I actually commented this on the on the article that I put out about this outbreak. You can't treat players coming off the list as good news or bad news in relation to the other people who are on it, because a we have no idea when they were originally tested, so we don't know when they can be retested to come off the list. Um, we don't know the timelines for each of these players. We just know they were put on the list because we had a bye week. So they had like 10 days of time that it could possibly have been positive. So we just don't know. Uh, So we might get everybody back tomorrow or today. Uh, We might get everybody back after the game. We might not get any of them back for the rest of the year. We just, we don't know. And I know as of this this conversation, which is on Thursday night, um, Greg Little has already been taken off, as have um, Yeter Gross Matos. So that's two of the ten that are already off. And the other eight, we just don't know. So don't treat any 
any developments in this story as either good or bad news per se. It's just news. Yeah. At this at this point, because we just don't know. Yeah. Um. And then the thing the the I wonder. I'm sure the DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel thing is related to. Yeah, they um, they were hanging out. They had to be. Yeah. Because um, there were there were two defensive tackles yep. on the list also. So it's like position groups clustering together so i Which, think there's a little bit of hanging out going on or team meetings which i'm yeah, not speculating too much yeah but would a lot of times with those it's like a player test positive and then the close contacts ending up being people in their position group because they spend time together obviously so yeah it, yeah but not to go That's too deep like, down that role. um our opponent this week denver their quarterback situation one of them tested positive <laughs> But the other three didn't wear masks and were in in the in the quarterback room with that player, so they were ineligible. So, but I, none, no, of them, none of them got COVID, as far as I know. You know they did, which is so funny. I'm sure they were so mad. Like, come on, yeah. guys. I know the. I know that obviously COVID is a horrible, horrible thing. But just the fact that that happened, where they had to rule out all of their quarterbacks because of <laughs> one, because of one COVID test, was pretty funny. <laughs> that was, and it, and it was even doubly better because it was against the Saints, who also don't have a real quarterback playing quarterback. Yeah, that, oh. was, that was, from my understanding, the ugliest game in NFL history, um, in terms of quarterback play. Yeah, I didn't really. I guess we didn't get a chance to talk about it because we we didn't do the show last week. But real quick, uh, it was. Let's just let's not, just make this our 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 segment to laugh at the NFL. Okay. Um. Was that, well. Uh, all right. On that, I felt so bad for uh whatever the guy's name was. Yeah, um, the receiver. Yeah. Practice squad um, wide receiver. I name? mean, he he legitimately. Yeah. They said that he went into the team facility, and there were players on the fifty-three man roster on the offense who did not know who he was. Yes, and so, he had to play quarterback that day. So they did not do him any favors. The Broncos. Like I went into that game expecting them to run like, or like I didn't watch a ton of it, but. You would expect a team playing a literal wide receiver as quarter out of you know like wildcat type of stuff like read options and quarterback runs and stuff like that. They didn't do that at all. They just no. like ran their regular playbook and had him just and his he only attempted nine passes, but they were like just regular drop back passes on like second and ten. Like what are you guys doing? That's yeah. not going just to work. The, just run the triple op, like the the yeah. wishbone triple option, like just army like navy that shit like you you can't you can't play this like a regular game because it's not and i mean full props to the guy because he (laughs) went out there and he had an impossible situation and he did something that like i didn't even think he would do as well as he did like he completed a pass like (laughs) i didn't even think he would manage to do that it's yeah i mean he completed more passes to the saints than his teammates but but yeah, but I mean, I mean he was what, one of nine for thirteen yards and two yeah. picks. Yeah, and the one completion was like a little, and it's like, why did you only do that once? Yeah, um, why, why didn't you run that play five or six times? I, yeah, I understand. You, Go ahead, Ryan. I was just gonna say he had, he didn't play a quarterback since like what high school? He played, he played at Wake Forest, at Wake Wake Forest. like a little bit, okay. but not like it wasn't his full time position. But many many <clears throat> many many years of not throwing a football, preparing to be a quarterback, like working on your fundamentals, like your drop backs and 
the the form for, with which you throw the football, like you're not gonna be NFL ready in one day. <laughs> like it's yeah. just impossible. It's fucking impossible. He threw eight passes for Wake Forest in 2018. Uh, that, those were his last passes, and he threw 251 total at Wake Forest. So he was a, a full time quarterback as a freshman, and then he converted to wide receiver by his senior year. Yeah, like oh, this yeah. was a different. This was a different situation than Joe Webb starting for Brett Favre back when the yeah the Vikings yeah. dome collapsed and Brett Favre was out. Like like Webb was practicing as a quarterback. He was getting those reps. This guy was not getting those reps at all. No. <laughs> yeah, this would be like us starting like Curtis Samuel at quarterback. Yeah, and then doing nothing differently. Like I understand doing nothing different. Yeah, I understand you can't completely implement an entire offense, especially because they found out on like Friday or something. And you can't just go full like triple option just because you don't have the mechanics of it down and stuff. But I think most teams at this point that have a semi-mobile quarterback uh, have some sort of read option in their playbook. And like and so you could just call that play over and over again. And then it's not. And and then you definitely have like hot routes where it's just like, hey, just uh, snap it and throw it over to Jerry Judy as soon as you snap it. Like, yeah, like every team does that. Do that like twice every now and then. Or, yeah, you they know, could have done run. something other than, hey, just act like you're, you're Drew Locke. Uh, Drop back they'll and never throw know the deep. difference. I'm going to see if I can pull up his average depth of target because it was deep. Like, he yeah, was throwing was the like, ball. It was like 15 yards, wasn't it? He was, like, chucking the ball down the field. I was like, what are they making you – like, I'm sorry, man. Like, that's that's unfair that they're doing that to you. Uh, intended air yards per pass attempt, 14.9. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That, that's insane. Why do you have a wide receiver average depth of target 15 yards on the field? That's crazy. Anyway. And um, I, I will give the NFL props for one thing, because Denver tried to get their their quality control assistant <laughs> to be the quarterback, because he was a quarterback in college, and he's only 30 years old. And they said no, because you know just as well as I do, they set that precedent. Um, Bill Belichick is bringing in Tom Brady once he retires to be his quality control coach, just in case he ever needs an emergency guy or, or whatever. Every team will start doing that to try and stash an extra player. Oh yeah. The the Cowboys would already have that because they have their, they have their offensive coordinator case Keenum, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not case Keenum. It's uh, a, what is his name? Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Moore, That's right. (laughs) So something, yeah, something, I mean, with a, something with that C or K noise. Um, same difference. Yeah. They're the same yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are. Um, we have to talk about Mike McCarthy too after we're done talking about this, but because um, the Cowboys are bad, I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Oh yeah, they are. I well, saw I've a tweet. Done... Go ahead and talk about it. I saw I saw a tweet that was funny. It said, "If anybody ever questions how good Aaron Rodgers is, Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl ring." <laughs> that's good. Uh, good <laughs> argument in favor. That, that's like all you need to put on Aaron Rodgers Hall of Fame resume. It's yes. One Super Bowl. With Mike McCarthy as a head quarterback. Mike McCarthy to a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you guys remember? I I think we discussed this on the show. Maybe we didn't, but there was like whispers, or it was said somewhere that that Mike McCarthy, after all his shit about, oh, I've been watching film for so many years after I got fired and like, you know, like doing all the analytics stuff. And then it just turned out that he lied about it or at least. Yeah. Oh yeah. He admitted theory. it in the interview. Like, in the, at, in like the, yeah. The introductory press conference. Press conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was on the Pat McAfee show this week and I was laughing my ass off. Cause I was like, yep, we fucking called it. Yep. 
He fucking <laughs> lied about it. He lied. He just sat in his basement. He set up a bunch of fucking tables and made it look like they I mean, were, they I'm were sure he film. watched film in his basement. It just probably wasn't football. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's funny that they're already, I mean, it's, it was a couple of weeks ago, but the like players had already been coming out and publicly saying without their names attached, like, yeah, these coaches are bad. Yeah. N- not good that early into a tenure. Yeah. I mean, uh, speaking it, of bad coaches, we got a couple of bad coaches to talk about. Um, I, the wall actually two weeks ago. Well, it ties into last week too. Um, I was listening to another podcast and they're like, I don't think there's ever been a coaching mismatch in the history of the NFL greater than the one between Bill Belichick and Anthony Lynn. And oh, boy, did Lord. it show <laughs> <laughs> the, the Patriots won 45 to nothing, but that's not the one I want to talk about. Uh, when they lost to the bills, if you go to sharp football analysis and look at last week's, it's like first and 10. It's called, yeah. It's first and 10 uh, article. They have clips from the Chargers clock management and game management at the end of each half. And it is fireable on its own. Um, I'm assuming you guys didn't see this, right? No, I did not. Okay. So at the end of the first half, they are down. It's third and nine on their own 45 yard line. They have 45 seconds left in two timeouts. It's plenty of time to like work your way up the field and get into field goal range with two timeouts, 45 seconds, right? Uh, they complete a pass for seven yards. Um, they hurried up to go for it on fourth and whoa, two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can you can you repeat that real quick? You cut out real bad. No, sorry. Yeah, all right. Okay. So it's third and nine, own forty-five. So midfield, roughly midfield. They have two timeouts left in forty-five seconds. Um, they complete a seven-yard pass to make it fourth and two. Uh, they okay. try to. I think obvious. I think mostly the time you would just like call timeout so you can get a good play for fourth down. But they line up, they hurry up to the line of scrimmage to run a play and hurry up offense. After fi- after 15 seconds, they call a timeout, and then they punt. <laughs> they did what now? And then they punted. <laughs> no, say and- that again, because I think I think I heard you say they punted. They punted. They punted on fourth and two from the Bills' uh, 47 yard line with like 30 seconds left in the half. Oh, that's a and familiar they feeling. Fi- they wasted 15 seconds, called a timeout, and then punted. Yes. Okay, not that it matters, but I'm just curious. What was the what was the score? They were down by 11. Okay. <laughs> so, they had two options here and three actually. They could have done what they did. <laughs> yes. They could have just point. ran more time off the clock, not called a timeout, taken the 5-yard penalty and then punted. Mhm. Or they could have gone for it on fourth and two after calling a timeout to preserve their time, possibly get a first down, kick a field goal, and make it a one-score game going into halftime. Correct. Those are their options. <laughs> or they could have failed on fourth and two. But those are their options, and they chose yes, to, like, <laughs> to waste time, then call a timeout, <laughs> and then punt. Yeah, I think like once you've decided to punt, you just let the like you said let the clock just run out. But the they... clock run, yeah. If you're gonna punt, give like use the clock to your favor by taking it away from the other team. Yeah. How, how many timeouts they, did the Bills have? I don't know, but because uh, if they two. didn't have any timeouts, it's they less two. bad. They had two. They had two. Oh my god, it's even worse. Yeah, um, I don't think it mattered, but you, I don't know. It's bad. It gets worse at the end of the game, though. So they're down by 10 at the end of the game 
and uh, they had a fourth and 27, and they completed a 55-yard Hail Mary uh, to the two-yard line with, uh, I don't know how much time left, like 15, 20 seconds left. And they have no timeout, so they run to the line, and they run to the line. And do you know what they what they do in their hurry-up offense with no timeouts and like 20 seconds left? They uh, run a handoff. Oh my god! <laughs> I guess they thought that they would sneak that one in and he would score. Yeah, it was okay. It was more than twenty seconds, so it, they completed the pass at like forty-five seconds left, and they so ran they a didn't handoff. Even spike it on first down. Nope. They just handed the ball off up the middle, and then, and then so they have to hurry back to the line, obviously. Uh, and instead of spiking it on second down. Herbert tried to throw like a quick screen to Mike Williams, who did not know that that was happening. So he just like threw the ball to nobody. So now they have like a clock stoppage. Like, all right, let's let's gather ourselves. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching it again. Yeah. So he throws just like a quick pass to Williams. Mike Williams is like, what? What's going on here? Um. And then I think was it third down. Third down, they uh, ran a quarterback sneak, except the offensive line thought it was a pass play, so they all pass blocked. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! So Justin Herbert just ran full, just ran forward into a defensive line with no blockers. <laughs> yeah, you should get fired if you do that. <laughs> it, if you find the play, like obviously I'm not don't take the time to do it right now on the show, but find the end of the Bills and Chargers game, the last play of the game. It is like poor Justin Herbert. Um, everybody on the Chargers takes a step back. And every chip player on the Bills goes forward, and he's the only player resisting the Bills' incoming rush of like five players. Wow! And they lost. Oh, so. oh that, that surprises me. I thought they were going to come back and win. <laughs> yeah, that was and it was the last play of the game, so it was so fitting. Wow. Um, the other bad coach is Greg Williams. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Greg Williams is a terrible coach. Cover zero on a hail mary <laughs> on a hail mary play with what like one. One safety deep, I think it was. No, like, they had none. They no, had no safeties deep. They, they had ran, no safety help. They, they ran played Madden man coverage eight. with no yeah. safeties. Or they did free fire or whatever. They did the Madden play where you rush eight people and put three players in man coverage. Which, that can work in Madden. In real life, it doesn't work when you do that in a Hail Mary situation. Especially my when the Raiders are part, rugs, My favorite is, part of the whole thing is two things. One, or three. One... In that situation, no team has ever scored a touchdown. I wonder two, why. Two, until the Raiders. Two, they had to run two plays. They did two Hail Marys, and the <laughs> Jets still lost. And three, they asked Adam Gase after the game, and he's like, well, I didn't know that he had that play called until the ball was snapped, and, and the people on the sideline were like, what is going on? And I looked <laughs> up and saw that he had called that play. First of all, how do you not know in a Hail Mary situation when you're 0-10 what your defensive coordinator <laughs> is doing? Yeah. How do you not know that? I well, thought, on top I of thought... that, Brad, on top of that, Brad, the play before that, the Raiders almost won on that play because the, <laughs> yeah. because the Raiders wide receiver was was wide open behind the defense and, and Derek Carr missed him. Yeah, so yeah the they fuck, had two shots. So how in the fuck do you not go and say, okay, that almost happened. Let's play a little more conservative on defense. Nope. 
Adam Gaze didn't do a damn <laughs> thing and let Greg Williams do his stupid bullshit. I thought that coaches typically have just like the lines of communication. Like they can at least hear the defensive coordinator talking, like calling the plays so they can veto things if they need to or provide you input. You would think that Adam Gaze could have, when Greg Williams was like, all right, we're going to do fire eight, three man, um, man coverage, no safeties. Adam Gaze would have been like, the fuck we are. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're well, putting eight people back and we're batting it down as soon as it's in the air. What are you talking about? <laughs> On top of that too. So the defensive coordinator calls that play into most likely the most veteran defender on the Jets defense. And how did that guy not, not be like, what the fuck? We're not running that and check out of it. Well, yeah. After they fired Greg Williams and he was a, like, yeah, I probably should have checked an audible, but that's a failure that, on that, multiple levels, right? But there. it's hard that, to that audible me that they of, are tanking. Like they are trying to lose. Well, I think Greg Williams is just bad at his job because they fired. That, I mean, they, that, that is also true. But for, it's hard to audible out of, like, blitz everybody to we're going to blitz nobody and uh, also everybody run away and, like, run back to the goal line now. No, the fuck it's not. You have <laughs> well, a, just from a like, – a, a, like, you have to think about it from them in the building. Like, they don't know Greg Williams is going to get fired for it. Like, they have to sit there and deal with, the af- like, the aftermath of going against the coach's wishes. Because when you have Greg Williams, he's not going to care if you got the – if you did it right, he's going to care that you disobeyed orders. Yes, exactly. No, no. Like no, if they no, would have no. won that game, Greg Williams would have cut someone if if that guy if he, if he checked out of what Greg Williams called. Yeah. Now, this is a plug for the Pat McAfee show again, a second one. So I hope you're listening, Pat. This, um, sponsors, this podcast sponsored by another podcast that yeah. actually doesn't know about us. So yeah. Um. So AJ Hawk was on there talking about that call specifically, and every defense has like a kill kill or like a. A call, a basically a call where it's like, okay, we don't know what the fuck's going on, or we need to change the play call, and they have like a default coverage. Typically, it's like Tampa two, yeah, or like quarters coverage. Like they could have just done that, and it would have been better. Like that, that does also fall on the person receiving the play calls, I think, because granted, as you're saying, John, you know, like they they didn't know that it was what Greg was. They didn't know what's going to happen to Greg, and obviously. They didn't know he'd be fired, and they also don't want to be caught, you know, disobeying orders. But if any any rational linebackers have been in the league for how many years would be like, fuck that, kill that call, <laughs> just call nor just call our default coverage because that because every defense has that they have they have a coverage where if like there's just, there's a chaos going on like communication issues or like people don't know where they're going, et cetera, et cetera. Every defense has that call. Where it's like, okay, this is our default pass coverage. Yeah, they have that counterpoint. That should have been called. That might have been Greg Williams' default play call. It could have been. Yeah. Well, then I think, I think though Brian has a good. I think Brian makes a good point though. I think even like to hear Whitehead would have been like, uh, no, we're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> we're dropping eight. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> like put three well, guys way- on each receiver. <laughs> Well, the way AJ described it, he basically said, like, if that had happened when I was with the Packers, I'd have had at least six different people being like, we're not fucking running that. Yeah. Like, so that that's a testament to the fact that Greg Williams sucks. But At it's the also very least, you would to, think the safety would have been like, nah, I'm going to stay back and help. It's yeah. a testament to the fact that the players don't know what the fuck they're doing either, which is even yeah. more of an indictment on Greg, on uh, Adam Gase. Like, even if you want to blitz, like, you would think, that, like, 
like if we did that shit, Trey Boston would have been like, nah, man, I'm I'm gonna stay back here and at least help. I'm not gonna put these yeah. guys on an island by themselves. I'm gonna There's look no the way ball. in <laughs> as much as much as Panthers Nation hates on Trey Boston, I don't think there's any way in hell he would have let that play call happen. No, no, he would have he would have played the ball. He would have stayed back and and at least tried to make a play. Yeah. That and, and then the other thing about it was just like the final result was an undrafted rookie covering the fat one of one of like the probably top five or top ten fastest players in the league. Yeah, because it was Henry no Ruggs, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Henry Ruggs. I caught it. Yeah, the first one was to Aguilar, and then the second one was to Ruggs. It's like, yeah, uh, you should never have one-on-one coverage against him at any point. It definitely shouldn't be with an undrafted rookie, and it definitely shouldn't be in the last play of the game where they have to throw it deep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was like, – I was watching you could, that run game. A, you could run a simulation of that situation a hundred times – and the Jets are probably the only team that lose in that situation. So my brother and I were watching and uh, rooting for the Jets because, like, as funny as it is to make fun of them and stuff, like, the players are trying hard, and the players want to win, and the players deserve to win because I'm sure most of them are putting in the work, and a lot of them are young because their team is trash. And, like, nobody wants to be, like, on that 0-16 team. And it's not fair to them that they, they basically won the game and then it got undone because Greg Williams wanted to be the blitz guy. The guy that was so smart that he blitzed a Hail Mary attempt and made it work. And the thing about the blitz, they can get Carr before he got rid of the ball. So it didn't even come close to working. Yeah, like it would have it would have made a little bit of sense if they would have maybe gotten a hand on Derek Carr or <laughs> yeah. made him move out of the pocket or something. But yeah, he could he had all day. <laughs> um, and then trans- even further pr- further proof that the Jets are a terribly run organization the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees are, <laughs> are now in um, ours is Shaq Thompson by the way um, so if you are into the voting on Twitter thing vote for Shaq Thompson but the Jets uh, Walter Payton nominee is Pierre Dessert who they cut three weeks ago <laughs> I take it, Brian, you did not know that until I, I said it. <laughs> Brian clearly wasn't reading the Slack chat today. Bri- Brian clearly <laughs> wasn't in the Slack chat I, this afternoon. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. During during my work hours nowadays, I can't be in the Slack chat, so I did not hear that. <laughs> but yes, the guy they cut a month ago is their Walter Payton nominee. That's the, that's the most Jets thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, oh <laughs> there is such a mess. I'm curious to see what Trevor Lawrence looks like as a Jet. I'm assuming they're, I don't know, their schedule is tough the rest of the way, so they'll probably yeah, lose that, the rest of their game. This was the only game they really had a shot at winning, I think. Uh, yeah, it's so. And Jaguars um, fans are pissed because oh, the Jaguars would have had a shot at the number one pick if the Jets would have won because yeah. of strength of schedule. Um. The other and I, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, the Jaguars would actually be pretty good in like two years. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with Trevor Lawrence, who does it. He looks like he'd be good no matter what, but then like he'd be good with the Jets. I um, tell you what, it all depends on one thing. He will be good with the Jets if they fire Adam Gase. Well, they will definitely fire Adam Gase. Yeah, if they fire they Adam Gase, fire Adam Gase, and if they get somebody who knows what they're doing, uh, he he'll be fine. 
Uh, and I mean, they might even get one of the, like Jim Harbaugh has mentioned that he might be willing to come back to the NFL because he's clearly not working out at Michigan. Jim Harbaugh with Trevor Lawrence, even the Jets could probably be pretty good again. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, the Eagles finally listened to me. Yes, and they've been. <laughs> I was I was hoping we would touch on this subject. We we talked about the Eagles and Carson Wentz like half of our shows. Of course, we we're going to touch on it. My favorite thing I've seen, and somebody shared it in Slack, Carson Wentz has thrown more touchdowns to a guy with the last name Diggs than anybody else, but he doesn't have any teammates with the last name Diggs. Yeah, he's completed more passes to the players named Diggs in the end zone than anybody in the league over the last like two weeks. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't and- <laughs> have any teammates named Diggs. Yeah. <laughs> he is like far and away leading the league in turnovers. He always looks so scared. Um. And then he's Jalen Hurts came. Well, he's never been good. And then you put him and you take him out of like the cushy situation he was in originally with like a really good offensive line and pretty good weapons. Any quarterback looks decent when they have a really good offensive line and they can just stand there and take their time and look who, and look, find somebody that's open. Especially when it's a player like Carson Wentz who doesn't know how to move his feet unless he's running for his life. He's... Um, Sorry, go ahead. But as a, but when he has a situation where he has to like read and react quickly, he just flails yeah his his mechanics are what people used to say about cam newton except for that cam newton could actually make up for it and and even then his his mechanics weren't that bad but he's essentially what people used to used to like really shit on cam newton for like his mechanics are what those things were described as like he doesn't throw the ball well and without a good offensive line when you're making throws under pressure without good mechanics, you're often going to fuck up. Like Cam Newton is one of those rare people where like on a pure arm strength alone, he could still make a good throw, throwing off his back foot as a, as a guy was hitting him in the fucking chest. Like there aren't many people on this earth who could do that. And Carson Wentz is trying to do that and it's not working for him at all. Like, yeah, it's bad. And also it doesn't help that they can't draft any receivers and their best guys are like undrafted people or Alshon Jeffrey, who's like made a glass or Deshaun Jackson, who's in his thirties at this point, like, you know, and also made of glass and also made of glass. Yep. Like their offense is just dysfunctional at this point. And it's clear that Frank Reich was a much bigger deal than people thought. Everyone kind of attributed the Super Bowl to Doug Peterson no, I think it was Frank Reich. I think it was Frank Reich who made. Yeah, that they've work. definitely been a lot worse since then. And Jalen Hurts. I think it's the combination of Frank Reich and Nick Foles. I think it's. I, I mean, think... there's a lot of things. I think it was Frank Reich and a better offensive line. And yeah, I was, I was gonna say I don't think Nick Foles is that good either. I think it was just oh, he's, that he's obvious. He's he's pretty bad. He's too. obviously not. Yeah, it was Frank Reich and Nick Foles. It wasn't just Nick Foles because he's terrible. <laughs> He's terrible in Chicago. Everywhere else, well, everywhere else he's been. Yeah, everywhere else he's been, he's been bad. I mean, he got benched for Gardner Minshew last year. Yeah. And Jalen Hurts looked good a little Jaylen bit. Jalen like, Hurts he got, is he, good. Jalen Hurts has potential to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he ended up – he went 5 for 12, but he uh, got 109 yards on those five. Um, he, he was – he came out hot, and then he kind of, like, fizzled out a little bit near the end. but. I mean, what are you going to do? Keep playing Carson Wentz? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and here's the best part. If they want to get rid of him next year, 
they have to eat sixty million dollars in cap space. Oh, they have to trade him just to try to like get a team. They, to help. If they post June first, do it as a transaction, they can offset it. But his cap hit, his dead cap hit in twenty twenty one is sixty million dollars. Also, if I'm not mistaken, if you trade a guy, you still eat their dead cap. Yes, you can work that out. I think. I think it's not like that, that's true. It is negotiable. Yeah. You're right. No, you the uh no. The only thing oh. you can do is post June first the transaction. Trading oh, really? a player salary cap wise is the same thing as releasing them. I thought you could get a team to help uh with like cover cap cost like no you know like the team that trades for him all they have to all they do is they take the salary part. Um, well, then the Eagles are screwed. I'm going to look it up. The other thing I was going to talk about while you looked that up, uh, on the other note, on the other side of the coaching coin, uh, the Washington football team is getting the Ron Rivera post Thanksgiving bump. Yep. Yep. (laughs) They, uh, I was laughing so hard when they, when they beat the Steelers, my God, uh, I'm in in Yenzer country. So it was, it was great watching, watching everybody melt down on Facebook over the Steelers game. Cause they were like, Oh, we're still, we're still the best team in the NFL. We still we only lost one game. We're still going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, it's- okay. Uh, I've got the information. So, okay. yeah, um, if they cut him, the dead cap is sixty million. It's fifty nine point two something. If they trade him, because that that means that um, they have to absorb all of his salary, like all uh-huh. of it. Uh, if they trade him. It's thirty three point eight million in dead cap because the other whoever they trade him to takes the eighteen million the cap hit, like the the salary part. Yeah. Um, and if they do it, they would save eight hundred and fifty two thousand dollars in cap space if they trade him. So they would they would have to trade him. They can't yeah. cut it. Yeah. Uh, even if they trade him for a, a seventh round pick and a bag of peanuts, they have to trade him. Um. If they release him and do it after June first, it's fifty million in twenty twenty one and twenty five million in twenty twenty two. That's how they would split it. They would lose fifteen million dollars in cap space. That's awful. They would lose yeah. twenty five million if they released him pre June first. Uh, if they trade him after June first, their dead cap would be nine million. They would save twenty five, and then their twenty twenty two dead cap would be twenty four. That's the best option for the Eagles is to post June 1st, trade him or suck it up and have 2021 be a dead year. And then in 2022, they can get out of it because the cap hit goes down dramatically after 2021. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, their dead cap goes to 25 million in 2022 if they just cut him. So they, they have to try to trade him. They have to try to trade him, and if they can't trade him, they just have to suck it up and have him on the roster next year. Which I'm sure, I mean, I think that's probably the most likely. Yeah. Thing. They might nobody's try to gonna, Nobody's like, going to trade Carson Wentz because they all know that's why they're trying to trade him. Yeah, unless it's like somebody like the Bears who are desperate or the Colts who have Philip Rivers and Frank Wright. The Bears or... should trade Nick Foles for Carson <laughs> Wentz. Um, the Ron Rivera thing. And before we go talk about the Panthers again, uh, they're having such a quintessential Ron Rivera season, especially like in his early years with the Panthers. They started one and seven, and then uh, 
they're making the late season push starting November 22nd with the Bengals. Now they've won three in a row and they're going yeah, to finish like seven, seven yeah. to nine. Yeah. They're going to yeah. finish like seven to nine or something. And, uh, which could be good enough to win the division. Um, they're in, they're in the race with the giants. Yeah. They're tied right the now. The Giants are on a surge too. And I, I mean, an eight and eight or seven to nine team is going to win the NFC East. But yeah, so I just think, I think it's funny that he's no matter, apparently no matter where he is, his teams start very poorly. And then once they're out of the hunt, they start racking up the wins and they should, well, they're not out of the hunt because of, uh, NFC. Yeah, they would, they but, would be out of the hunt in a normal year, but because their division yeah. is garbage, they're, they're actually in, they're in second place, aren't they? Uh, they're tied. Well, they're tied for first with the giants, but the giants have the head to head, I think. Yeah. Yes, okay. So the giants are, yeah. Um, but yeah, Washington. So the giants are in control, but, the Washington is technically tied for the first place in their division at five and seven. Yeah. Oh, and I'm going to tell all of y'all listening to this. Now the Washington football team is going to beat the crap out of the Panthers in week be, 16. I don't know if they'll beat the crap out of, I do have something interesting, which we'll talk about uh, on the other side of the break. They're about to take with the Panthers and uh, the Broncos. And it's, it'll be relevant to that game as well, but we should probably take this ad break first. Yeah, that's a good idea. And welcome back. Uh, just do whatever that ad told you to do. Yes. Without question. Don't research <laughs> it. Don't Google it. Just do it. It's an ad. I mean, who, why would they lie? Exactly. So what I was talking about, now that it's preview time, uh, the Panthers play the Broncos. On Sunday, in a game that nobody outside of Denver or Carolina will care about. Um. Yeah, this might be the least interesting game of the weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's always like if you watch and it's at one o'clock, too. So there are probably like nine games at one o'clock since there's no more bye weeks. Uh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, we got, ooh, we got a nice little split this week. Anyway, um, looking just a real quick look. Yeah, this is the only this is the least cared about game, except for maybe Dallas. Oh, well, there's Dallas and Cincinnati and us are the two games that nobody will be paying attention to Dallas and Cincinnati that, which by the way was flexed out of or was that the one that was flagged or was it yeah. next week? They no, were flexed uh, for the was, Browns. Is that be because <laughs> they wouldn't have flexed them out of Monday night. Yeah. Okay. Then think. it's next week. The Browns and the giants game got moved to Sunday yeah, night and that, the Cowboys game got taken off. Yeah. Who would have ever thought the Cowboys would be flexed out of Sunday night football for the Browns. Yeah, exactly. But, but the one thing I was looking at, so the Panthers are favored in this game. Um, it's three and a half points, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. So basically, but, it's because we're the home team. Yeah, so we have home field advantage. But the Broncos are kind of kind of feisty for a four and eight or five. And, yeah, they're four and eight too. Uh, a four and eight team. Um, and I was kind of looking through because they played the Chiefs tough on Sunday night, and then obviously you have to throw out the game of the week before because they played with no quarterback, like we talked about. Uh, but their defense has kind of come around a little bit. Like, is Von Miller back? No, no, I don't okay. think so. Yeah, I think he's out for the year. Yeah, um, I know. I know he was out for the year, but I think they said there was a chance he would be back late in the year. I don't think like, they would right do around that this now. time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna do that now. I've just googled his name, and he's there's nothing about him other than getting a tattoo over his ankle scar from his surgery. That was, that was a cool tattoo, by the way. <laughs> um, but the two games 
on either side of that Saints loss, they held the Dolphins to 13 points and they held the Chiefs to 22 points. So their pass defense is ranked uh, 10th. Or no, their well, their pass their defense as a whole is ranked 10th in DVOA according to Football Outsiders, and their pass defense is seventh. Um, their run defense is only 22nd, but we only the Panthers have struggled really bad running the ball after the first couple weeks of Mike Davis just running really angry, and then Teddy after those first few weeks of the season, once teams kind of started to figure out what the Panthers were doing, he's struggled pretty bad. I mean, the last few weeks is in general, but particularly against teams that have. And the Broncos have a good pass defense. So I, I think the Panthers' offense is going to struggle on Sunday. Where do the Broncos' offense rank, like passing and running? Like for DVOA, since I have football yeah. right in front of me. Uh, not great. So this could, be, this could be like a replay of the Super Bowl, except they don't have Peyton Manning, so their offense is going to be bad too. And this is going to be one of those 10 to six type games. Yeah, I I have a feeling it's going to be an ugly game. Very ugly. Oh, I'm very confident it will be ugly. So the Broncos, to answer your question, they're 32nd in total offensive DVOA, which is actually surprising to me. Uh, 32nd in pass. The 32nd to pass is obviously uh, tremendously it's probably impacted. It's probably kind of unfair to them because they had that one game yeah. that was, with no quarterback. I wonder if how much that changes. Well, Drew Locke is not much better. I mean, obviously yeah, he I is, know. but he's bad. It's funny because you said like the Peyton Manning, like the Super Bowl thing, and Drew Locke is so different than Peyton Manning was because at that point in Peyton Manning's career, he could throw the ball like 15 yards in the air and everything looked ugly, but he had – the football intellect still. Uh, Drew Locke is opposite, or he can launch it, and he has the really pretty-looking ball. He just makes terrible decisions. Nice. So he's the the antithesis of Peyton Manning. Um, he's thrown thirteen. He's got nine touchdowns to thirteen interceptions this year. Uh, he only he only threw for like hundred and fifty yards against the Chiefs on he's Sunday also- night. Completed less. He's also completed just above fifty percent of his passes. Yeah, he's at fifty-five percent. His last three games, he's thrown three touchdowns to eight interceptions. Jesus Christ! So, uh, yeah, so he's a uh, volatile. It doesn't help that they don't really have that many receivers. Like, uh, well, Jerry Judy. Well, they lost uh, Cortland Sutton, which is which hurt. Yeah. But, Coming into the season, it looked like they had good receivers. Um, it just—I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. Their their coaching staff is very defensive oriented, and uh, Drew Locke's not great. And I don't know. I just don't think they're very well doing a very good job utilizing all their pieces because they do have like Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay playing running back. They have Noah Fant. Uh, they have Jerry Judy. Coach. Is it Big Fangio? Fangio? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. They should be better on offense than they are, but they're yes. not. And I think if a lot of you, if you need a get-right opponent, we're we're your Huckleberry. So, <laughs> um, but so yeah, the the Panthers' defense is tough because like they just suddenly learn how to play against the Lions. Um, they weren't. I don't. They weren't great against the Vikings. I know they scored two touchdowns, but that's not 
defensive touchdowns are as much a part of luck, especially for this team, are luck as much as they are doing something right. Don't you talk shit on Jeremy Chin, John. Jeremy Chin is great. The first one was luck because he just happened to be standing there when Zach Kerr forced the fumble. But the second one was Jeremy Chin just being a beast. Oh, he made a great play. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's just like they're not something where you, you can't can, like, count on it. Yeah. You're not going to like look at a defense and be like, oh, they scored two defensive touchdowns. They played great from start to finish because they are two plays out of like 75. Um, where you could play awful all day and score and score two defensive touchdowns and make it look like a defense. They still averaged like what? They averaged 5.8 yards or 5.5 yards per play, which is not like it's a decent showing for the defense, but it's not like they were shutting down the Vikings like they did against the Lions. So I don't know. The defense, if the Panthers' defense keeps being okay, they'll probably limit the Broncos and maybe get a turnover or two because Drew Locke likes to do that. Um, I just don't know. I just think Teddy's going to struggle against the Broncos' uh, defense because they've been pretty oh, yeah, good they're lately. Gonna, they're going to sack him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> So yeah, it, I think it's shaping up to be like a like a sixteen to thirteen, like sixteen to fourteen type of game. Yeah, which great way to come out of the bye week. It's a weird juxtaposition because like I went into the season feeling like the defense was going to be absolute shit from start to finish because they just drafted a bunch of guys hoping they'd fill a bunch of holes, but like they yeah. actually have played okay. And the it's the offense has been kind of struggling over the last few weeks as far as uh doing things like the like <laughs> Bridgewater is clearly a limited quarterback. Um the offensive line isn't doing him any favors either. So the offense well, we also have to factor in that we don't know how many of our players are going to actually be able to play. Yes, that's another big thing. Yeah. Especially cuz two of them could potentially be starting wide receivers. Yeah, and then on the defensive side, I I don't remember who said it in the Slack chat, but Bravion Roy is our only active defensive tackle right now. <laughs> and this is no um, no statement or, or complaint or anything about Bravion Roy, but you can't win when Bravion Roy is your only defensive tackle. I don't think you can win reliably when you have anybody that's your only defensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, unless it's like Aaron Donald, you really can't succeed with just one guy like no, they, got, if, they got fao Bada. he's played under tackle it's fine <laughs> oh well, that's right i forgot about that it's fine yeah, we're all good all we're all, we're all as good, as good boys you only have two defensive tackles that's all you need for an entire game like yep who needs who needs rotations and substitutions or anything like that especially with the heaviest position in the in the nfl <laughs> yes which could be the most fatiguing position in the league like on a play-to-play basis yeah, he'll be fine. Bravey and Royal play all 100% of the snaps. He'll be good. It's fine. Um, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but I was just real quick on my Teddy Bridgewater thing because uh, we talked about him. Uh, the last four games, he had one good game against the Chiefs where he threw for 310 yards on 49 pass attempts. But the other three games uh, against the Falcons, he was 15 for 23 for 176 yards. Uh, the Tampa, Tampa Bay, he completed 18 for 24, but he only threw for 136 yards, so less than six yards per attempt. And then last week against the Vikings, he completed 19 out of 36 passes, so only 53% of his passes, 
and he threw a touchdown interception. And he's thrown three picks in the last, and the, in each of those three games around the Chiefs game, he threw a pick. So sounds like it's PJ Walker time. <laughs> nah, man, it's Will Greer time. Well, oh, for, yeah. I think for me, it's like. Teddy Bridgewater is one of those quarterbacks where he can work really well in a system. The problem is, and I think we even saw this last year with Kyle Allen, that once NFL teams have a decent amount of film on your system with a limited quarterback, it suddenly isn't as productive because yeah. they know what to look for. Teddy's not happening to Teddy. Teddy's not, this is going to sound like an insult and I guess it kind of is, but Teddy's not a playmaker. Like Teddy is a distributor. Yeah, he's a game manager. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not going to win games with our offense. Like Correct. We, our, our roster needs we, – we can't win with a game manager right now. Yeah. Like Tampa Bay can win with game manager Tom Brady because they have, they have a good defense. <laughs> that's, that's a dig. Yeah, I think you. I think you can win with. I think you can win with this offense the way it is if you revamp the offensive line. Like if you spend a ton of draft capital and maybe some free agency dollars on the offensive line, I think you could win with Teddy Bridgewater, Curtis Samuel, which you'd actually have to re-sign next year. Um, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. I think you could win with this offense with those skill pieces, but the offensive line has just not been good. Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of um, and the defense probably has to be better too. Yes, but yeah, that's kind of I mean that's what we talked about going into the season, and he looked like he proved his wrong. He's kind of I don't want to say regressed, but kind of fallen into what we expected going in of just being he a game manager. Who we thought he was. Yeah, yeah, that's one way to put it. And we kept him on the hook, <laughs> and we will continue <laughs> to have him on the hook. So I, I don't know. I think it's gonna be an ugly game. Um, the Panthers can win, obviously. It's just I don't expect it to be pretty. Yeah, it really depends on what team shows up. Is it gonna be the 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 team that showed up against Detroit, or is it gonna be the team that shows up against the Bucks? You know, this yeah. game is probably gonna be damn near unwatchable. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not gonna it's gonna be one of those where it's like I think it's gonna be so many. I don't know if it'll be three and outs, but just so many like clunky possessions where uh, like Teddy throws into the dirt for like 75% of the screen passes we call. And every completion is for three yards, even if it's third and 14 and we just kind of get frustrated. And then the game ends up being like 16 to 10. And I we flip over to red zone during a commercial break. It's like, Oh yeah, this is what football's supposed to look like. Yeah. Well, we just got to tough it out for one more year and hopefully Next year, we'll we'll see something better with a little more cap space and a little more draft capital. Yeah. So let's go with score predictions. I've kind of um, said it a few times. Mine's like Broncos 16, Panthers 13. Oh, no, let's see. Broncos 17, Panthers 13. All right. I don't want them to kick that many field goals. Seems unrealistic. Brad, what about you, Brad? I'm going to say Broncos 19, Panthers 12. Lots of field goals. Lots of field goals. Joey Sly <laughs> is going to get his work cut. He's going to earn his spot. Joey Sly is going to kick a 66-yard field goal to end the half <laughs> in, yeah. in the thin air of Denver visiting Carolina. Yes. 
I'm going with Panthers 34, Broncos 31. Okay, you're just being... Where, yeah, Joey you're Sly, being a troll. <laughs> where Joey Sly actually nails that field goal for once. <laughs> and Matt Rule goes and cashes in his bet uh, for Joey Sly will break the record for longest field goal this year, uh, in NFL history this season. Yep, he's going to be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, then that's he's what he needed. Cut him and sign that guy whose last name I can't pronounce that we <laughs> yeah. just added to the practice squad because he's gotten all of his use out of Joey Sly. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Yeah, we added. added a, yeah, we brought three kickers in last week after he missed that kick against the Vikings. Is the guy's um, first name Lyrum? Yeah, Lyrum. I can't. I don't even want to try to pronounce his last name. I feel like I'll, I'm going to be I'll, offensive if I try to pronounce. I, it. I, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> offend anyone, so I'm not even going to try because it's. It's unique. That's um, one way to put it, yeah. What yeah. team did he come from again? He's from the Canadian Football League. No, but he was with an NFL team, and he apparently the outperformed. The Rams. Yeah, he outperformed their kicker, and they still cut him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds weird. That sounds weirdly familiar. I'm not sure why. Yeah. But. <laughs> was, did they, didn't they draft the guy that they kept? Sam yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they drafted the kicker they kept, which is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, well, yeah, you're supposed to keep the guy you draft. Um, yeah, yeah, they drafted him in the seventh round. Yeah, so he was. Imagine yeah. that keeping a seventh round draft pick. <laughs> but I mean, we 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 brought three kickers in as a wake up Joey Sly type thing, and we ended up signing one as the quote emergency kicker. Mm-hmm. He can but also I, punt. He can also punt. He can also punt. But I think this is more of a Joey. Your time is limited. Because Rule has already said Joey Sly is our kicker. And you know that when Matt Rule says things like that, what happens? They get um, cut. They get cut like right after. So. he I, I was reading his Wikipedia. Apparently he fled Kosovo when he was eight years old to escape uh, Civil War. Or I don't know if it's Civil War, but fl- to escape the war. So that's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely need him then. <laughs> We gotta, we gotta, we gotta get rid of Joey Sly. Get him out of here. Vote him out. Uh, I like Joey Sly. Yeah. <laughs> if he played linebacker on like Joey him. Sly, I mean, I think it's cool that he's built like a linebacker. But I think my favorite thing about Joey Sly is you legitimately have no idea what's going to happen when he lines up to kick a field goal. Like <laughs> it could be sixty-five yards, and it would have been good if it were sixty-four and a half straight down the pipe or it could be 32 yards and go in the seats like to the left or you like you have no idea um so he has a little bit of excitement it's true (laughs) that's that's one way to put it it's the joey sly experience i enjoy the joey sly experience mainly because i don't really care what happens one way or another this season so i'm the same way like we We've won four games. It will. We should win at least one more. And five and eleven is fine with me, given all the shit that's happened this year. And honestly, like it's it's at a point where like wins are fun, and then uh, when if the team if the Panthers lose, you're just like draft pick. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's nice. By the way, the Panthers are as of this recording sitting still sitting in seventh the seventh pick. Zach Wilson, baby. (laughs) 
Let's every mock draft I see has the Panthers not taking a quarterback, which I think is well. This this one actually hasn't taken Zach Wilson, but most of them have them taking like a linebacker or a corner or something. The last one that I saw from uh, Mel Kuyper was a wide receiver or a tight end. I think actually it was a tight end. Oh yeah, the tight end. I've seen him in there too. Was it Kyle Pitts? Yeah, it's Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That dude's a fucking monster. Is, like I know also, the tight end isn't like the biggest position of need, um, but that dude. I mean, he. You hear this a lot with college guys, but that guy he legitimately looks like a grown man playing with his kids. Yeah, he's he, very good, but it's he kind is of a very good. <laughs> kind of a luxury got, pick for a bad team. If we got to deal with another another year of Teddy Bridgewater, I know he had a pretty nice connection with Jared Cook in New Orleans. So hey, might be a good pick. Yeah, if we're going to keep Teddy no matter what, I would like to maximize the offensive weaponry mm. and just get a good tight end. Because, I mean, if we're not going to pick a quarterback, then just pick the best other offensive player that's not a, a tackle. Hey, we could be the first team in NFL history to go all defense one draft and all offense the next draft. <laughs> that would actually be cool. Very funny. I'd be cool with that. So we got anything else we want to cover here, guys? I'm out of things to talk about. Me too. All right. Well, we'll talk to you here soon on Sunday after the game for the BNB reaction show. But maybe depends on how awful the game is. That's true. We <laughs> might we might not have the uh, emotion. We might be like, nah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> we'll just talk about we'll we'll just be like, nah, they punted. They punted 99 percent of the time. We're just going to let it go. And yeah. punted this game. We're going to punt on this podcast. Yep. Yeah, you're damn right. Well, from all of us here at the CSR podcast, this is Brian joined by Brad and John, as always. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll be talking to you here soon. See you. Later.